The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Book of Acts, if you will, chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 29 through 35. Thank you, Minister Micah and team. Pastor Alex is on vacation and will be returning in about a week or so. Acts chapter 4. And find uh, verse 29, I'm reading from the New King James, we'll read through verse 35, are you ready? Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders will be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were with one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things they had possessed was his own, but they had all things in common, and with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet. They were distributed to each one as he had need. Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we praise you for what you're going to do this morning. Lord, of this final Sunday of 2015, move in great power, give us living understanding, release all that's in your heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. May be seated. We do have notes for you, and uh, we'll hope that you fill those out as we move along. Uh, In the introduction, we had our annual uh, Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. We had chairs all the way to the stairs, and not an empty seat, standing room only. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time, and I know some of you are not able to make that, so just kind of fill you in a little bit. We've been doing that for, I think, nine years, and um, since I got here, and it's been growing ever since, and it's, it's a wonderful time. Unique aspect of that service last Christmas Eve, just a few days ago, was at the very end of the service... I felt the power and the presence of the Lord roll into the place. Now, unsolicited, I found out through testimonies of people that were there that people felt a wind. There were many people that actually felt a wind and their candles, you know, the the lights flickered. Now, you say, what's that about? I just believe the wind of the Spirit blew through this place. People were healed. People were touched. And you say, wow, that's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. God, you know, God's presence is never old for me. 
And I wanted to preach this last message on His presence for a purpose. He doesn't just pour His presence out upon us so that we can feel good. There's a purpose for why He touches us like that. There's a purpose for every healing, a purpose for every miracle. An expression of His love, yes, but there's, there's more. There's a prophetic word over this house, and uh, the word is this. And it has marked us uh, for the entire time that we've been here. And it said, this house, this church, this KC here, will be a place where God's power and presence is made known. That His glory would fill the house. And the truth is, that's happened, and it happens. But I believe it's going to happen in an ever-increasing way. Now... I want to give you some keys to understanding why God's presence was revealed here or poured out here in Acts chapter 4, but you need to understand the context. Pentecost had taken place, as we say, Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 3, now this is approximately three years after the death and resurrection ascension of, our, of Jesus. Peter and John went together at the temp- to the temple the hour of prayer. This is Acts 3, verse 1. The ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried there daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, fixed his eyes on him and asked, expecting to receive something from them, pardon me, And what happens is, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they grab this crippled man, lame from his mother's womb, and they yank him to his feet, and immediately his legs, his ankles, his feet, he are strengthened, and he's completely healed. And he begins to jump and leap and praise God. Now, I will tell you that that was a scene. It wasn't like this little quiet thing that took place where he just said, well, thank you. I feel so much better. Hey, God bless you. He's never walked in his life. So he's completely healed. The dude lost his mind. He's jumping, spinning, laughing, crying. And if you've ever seen a major miracle like that, that's exactly what happens. And you, you, know, you can't make it look cute and organized and clean. It's many times people's nose is running. Eyes running. They fall down. They, 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 they don't know what to do. And so this is what's happened. This miracle takes place. And the thanks that they get from the religious people is persecution. You know, anything we've ever done here that's been a, um, a little radical, like we did a, an outreach called Hell House. Uh, it was years ago. And uh, we turned half the church into a, uh, what is called a hell house. I was going to paint half the church black and put hell house on the side of it. I'm glad I didn't do that. It's not to say that the church is a hell house. What we were trying to do is show real life scenarios. And it was during the Halloween time. And we, were tr- we showed real life scenarios of how demonic power is behind suicide. How demonic power is behind abortion, how demonic power is behind occultic activities. And so we did these real-life mini-skits in all the rooms upstairs. And, and the, uh, they would go by tours, and they would be guided through these different rooms. And by the end, 
We brought them out of all of those hellish experiences into the sanctuary here where the presence of God was, and then we told them about the love of Jesus, and I suppose you could say we scared the hell out of them because many people got saved. Come <laughs> on, so if you have any hell in you, how many of you know it would be good if it got out? <laughs> that freaks some of you guys out right there. They gave their lives to Jesus. And, and, and it was amazing harvest that we got. Can I tell you the amount of persecution? Well, nobody burned us at the stake, but they did in the newspaper. We had people writing editorials. How could that church do such a thing and call it such a name? And, and on and on and on. I had one pastor just get up in my grill. And we're all Christians that gave us a hard time. Every one of them were Christians. And I'll never forget what one pastor said to me. How could you bring that defilement into... Now, we made it PG-13. So if you, were, if you were under 13, you couldn't go. All right? I'm sure we got lied to and fake ID or whatever. But, I mean, we tried. And I had one pastor tell me, how could you defile our community like that? None of that stuff is happening here. I saw, dude, smell the coffee. And we had a, we had a, a heroin scene, an overdose scene. And, uh, you know, I, you just talk to, talk to our, ser- our public servants or police officers and, and state troopers. Heroin's an epidemic. You might not see it in your circles, pr- praise the Lord, but it's, it's all around you. You're walking past people in the store that have heroin addiction. It's brought in all the time. There's all kinds of people, you know, donkeying in stuff. And, and, you know, we're praying for that to be eradicated. But the truth is there is a lot of suicide. And there, there is all of those things that are going on. And it's the church's responsibility not only to expose it, but to offer the answer and to bring healing. Amen? So anyway, just talking about persecution from religious people, we got in more trouble. That's when they called us the Brackenites. Is it in the newspaper. In the newspaper. This is nine years ago. And... Uh, it's not unusual when you have an outpouring, when you see radical steps of faith that you'll be persecuted. And that's what took place here. But their response to it is the thing that really moves me. Their response to the persecution that they get is not always the kind of response that we have. What, what do you do when you get in trouble? What do you do when there's a problem? What do you do? What did they do? They had a prayer meeting is what they did. And that's the context of the message and the text that we read. And so I want to give you keys to understanding why God's presence was revealed. And from this, I believe that we can get some keys to be able to apply to our own life so that God's power and presence is revealed or released in your life. Let me just tell you that what you need, what we need, what I need, is, is God's power to overcome darkness, God's power to overcome the onslaughts of the enemy, sickness and disease included. So look at your notes with me. His presence came in response to prayer. In response to what? To prayer. This is a prayer meeting they have. So they, they get persecuted. They, they brought before the Sanhedrin. And I love what they say, you know, far be it for us to obey, obey you rather than God. You judge. We can't help but testify of what we've seen and heard. And, and so they were really railed on. And when they're finally released, now no harm comes to them because the, the Pharisees, the religious people, they, 
They didn't, they didn't want to hurt them because of all the favor they had with the people, which is a whole nother message. But they're released and they go back to their small group. They go back to a, this home and they begin to pray. And in their prayer, they pray these incredible uh, truths and keys. But the first thing is to notice that they prayed together. They what? They prayed together. Now, I would say that everyone here probably prays. Hopefully you have a personal prayer life. We just saw the movie. I watched it last night called War Room. Have you seen that? If you have not seen the movie War Room, you need to go buy it and watch it with your wife or with your loved ones because it's just so true that you can change anything through prayer. Prayer changes things. And so what they did as, as a result of their threatening, the, the religious people say, man, if you say one more thing, then you're just going to get it. And so as a result of the threats, they go back and they have a prayer meeting and they pray together. They what? They prayed together. Now, here's what you need to get from this. Corporate prayer and individual prayer are two totally different things. Individual prayer is wonderful. You've got to have it. You've got to maintain it. And it's a, it's, it's a discipline you need to have, but it should be an enjoyable time. Also, if you can't enjoy prayer, then you know, you need some discipleship. If prayer is a drudgery and it's the last thing you want to do, then something's wrong. So you need to, like, figure out what's wrong, get some truth in there, get that healed up, and begin to have a good time with Jesus in prayer. But individual prayer and corporate prayer is two different things. I've given the illustration before. Uh, I, was, I was a commercial painter for years before I went into full-time ministry. And uh, I had what is called a painter's hammer. It is the most sissified hammer you have ever seen. Has anybody, does anybody know what a painter hammer? It looks like a toy. It's this cute little thing, and it's for tapping on paint lids, you know. Or it's for, it's for painting type stuff, cute little hammer. Now, if you tried to nail a 14-penny nail with a painter's hammer, you know, you can do it. But it, it's tough. Now, a framer's hammer, that's a better hammer to use for nailing a 14-penny nail, isn't it? You know what's even better than a painter's hammer? A nail gun. God bless the man who invented the nail gun. They're wonderful unless you shoot yourself with them. Corporate prayer is like using a nail gun. Corporate prayer, if you were to use a hammer to break a, a rock to pieces, is not my word like a hammer. Corporate prayer is like using a jackhammer as opposed to using a painter hammer in individual prayer. I don't want to undermine individual prayer. You've got to have it. And God will reward you as you pray and as you get in your prayer closet. And you can certainly change things. And I think you need both. You can't just have corporate prayer and not have individual prayer. You have to have your intimate time with God. Absolutely. So I... I but I am emphasizing corporate prayer because that's what happened in the text. They get together with some people that believed and they prayed. And when they prayed, God's power was released. Wow. And they prayed as one. They prayed in agreement. Now, I want you to look with me, and we've done this before, but let's do it again. In the book of Genesis, chapter 11, and verse 1, let me read it to you. Now the whole earth had one language. How many languages? Just one. One language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from east, they found a plain 
in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down. Now, I have to tell you that all those verses right there are pregnant with revelation. And in the new year, I'll be doing a series out of the book of Genesis that is just going to rock us, I'm telling you. The first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis are the foundation for all of life. So if you don't have it straight out of the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, then you really won't have a sound foundation. So we're going we're gonna to be putting some foundation stones in. I can't hardly wait to do it. But I want to focus in on this part right here. Where the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They're what? They're, they're one. And they have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. There is a principle of unity and agreement. And if you have unity and agreement, you can... You can really do something. Now, I've made that very general, but the truth is if you have unity and agreement for evil, then there is an endorsement of evil and, and the power of evil is harder to break. One of the reasons that darkness lingers in areas is because there's endorsement, because there's agreement. And, and oneness and agreement is crucial to doing anything for God, but the enemy knows that too. This particular oneness and agreement they had was to build this tower, to build this city, which when you really study it out, I'm kind of getting into it a little bit because I've been studying it, but when you, really, when you really break it down, they were to make a tower into the heavens. And, and really what they wanted to do is they wanted to do things on top of that tower to bring a, a, a uniting of the heavens as into the earth but not, not God in the heavens, demonically. And to create demonic power, to make a name for ourselves. But we'll get into that later. Oneness is crucial. And you'll see as they prayed, they prayed in one accord. Everybody say one accord. Does that sound familiar? Because in Acts 2, they're prayed in one accord also. It's a violent unity. It's a unity that you don't see too often in a body, in a body of believers. But when you can get a group of people united in prayer, in agreement, the power of God is released in such a way that's unprecedented. It's not, it's not people thinking about their burnt toast or what they're going to eat for lunch or how long is he going to preach or I hope he's done soon or, or, or wondering, oh, did I turn off the... Oh, it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's, that, that's a fractured unity. It's not unity, it's discord, really. In First, in First Chronicles five eleven through fourteen, it's the dedication of the temple. We've read it before, but there's a section that says, "And when the hundred and twenty singers and musicians came together, and when they were as one, then the cloud of the presence of the Lord came, filled the place so much so that the priests could not stand to minister." Someone said, "How come people fall down in your church?" They don't all fall down, but sometimes that happens, and it is a biblical thing. You say, it is? It is. But it's not, listen, don't try to, 
Don't, just because you fell down, it's not a mark of spirituality. Can you know what a mark of spirituality is? Changed life. That's the mark of spirituality. You fall down as much as you want and still be a jerk. How many of you know that probably wasn't God? <laughs> Either that or he's really working deep on you. It's going to take a lot of falling down under the power of the Spirit of God and for you getting matured. But it, a changed life is evidence of, of the power of God in someone's life. In other words, they're sweet now. They were mean. Junkyard dog mean. And now they're sweet. How many of you know that's evidence that God's moving in their life? They were liars and cheaters, and now they tell the truth. There was this unity here in 1 Chronicles 5, and the power of God came in. Acts chapter 2, unity, power of God came. Acts chapter 4, which we're reading, unity, power of God. It is a key. It's a key. God's presence for his purposes will be poured out if, one, we pray together, two, if we pray in agreement. It's crucial to be in agreement. And they prayed believing in God's power. They said, if you don't pray believing, you might as well just not pray. The Greek word is pistis. It's, it's faith and belief. They're really tied together. And they prayed believing. They prayed with confidence. They prayed with certainty. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. Come on, turn to Hebrews 11.1 or put it up on the screen if you can. Hebrews 11, verse 1, definition of faith. Verse 1, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Stop. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, look, if you can't see it, that, that should encourage you. You see it by faith. Confident assurance of what you cannot see. You know that you know that you know that it's coming, that it exists, that, it, that it's there, but you can't see it with your natural eye. You actually, once you can see it and you're holding it, that's not faith anymore. And so they prayed believing in God's power. And look at four. They prayed specifically for enablement or empowerment. Look at verse 29 of Acts Chapter 4, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, what kind of boldness? All boldness. That means there's nothing lacking. All boldness, they may speak your word. I can't help but get away from verse 30. With all boldness, they may speak your word by. By what? By, by what? They may look, come on, look at the word, or look at it here on the screen if you, don't have, if you don't have a Bible with you. Stretch out your hand to heal. By stretching out your hand to heal. Back it up one verse, please. Now, Lord, look on their threats. So they said, look, we're in some serious trouble, God. They're going to whoop up on us. They threatened us. They said, we can't even talk in the name of Jesus anymore. And he says, no, Lord, you see that. Now give us, grant to us enablement. Grant to us boldness that we may speak your word, next verse, by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may, done, may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I'm going to tell you that many people speak the word, but not that way. Oh, yeah, he sends forth his word and it doesn't return void. And there's been a, in the 70s, there was a great teaching movement. And I'm not, against, I'm not against teaching. Teaching is wonderful. It's one of the gifts. But don't camp out on teaching. 
You have, to, you have to learn and study to show yourself approved. And there's powerful teachers in the body of Christ. And we need them. But if it just stays in the realm of teaching. I'm going to just, I've said this, it's offensive. But welcome to KC. You can't teach demons. Demon, demons don't understand teaching. They understand authority. They understand faith. They understand boldness. They understand the stretching out of God's hand to heal, signs and wonders may be done through the name of Jesus. They understand that. So there's the preaching, preacher, the, the word was preached, the word was taught. Grant, grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. The speaking of God's word includes, everybody say it includes. It includes signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's not for the guy standing on the pole in the in the in the platform with a mic. Well, it's for him too, or for her. But it's for every single person that believes in Jesus. Every single person. There's a mighty movement coming, even to the valley. There's a mighty outpouring that's heading our way. Even like a wave that can be seen on the horizon, there's a mighty wave of his power coming. And it's going to be put on display through his people which include you it includes everyone who's got the boldness who who will develop even a prayer life even a corporate prayer life to say God I need your power stretch out your hand to heal give me boldness Lord you see the threatenings on the job you see the threatenings of heroin in our community you see the threatenings of suicide you see what's going on Lord stretch out your hand give me boldness do signs and wonders. God is going to raise up a whole army right from within the church. Bill Hammond calls it a saints movement. Come on, the days with the fancy suit and the combed over hair are over. No, praise God for the anointed leaders and preachers and teachers. They're still going to have great leaders. But it's the body that's got to rise. It's the church that's got to rise up. Come on. So when something shows up at your house that's got to go, you stand, sir, ma'am, put your prophetic finger right in the face of every obstacle and drive it out of your home, drive it out of your life, lay hands on your sick child, see them recover, believe God for that. Believe God for that. Come on, anything else is a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo, an opiate that'll never help you in the end. That was good. Okay. I got encouraged for a second. They needed to be filled with the Spirit. They what? They needed to be filled with the Spirit. He said, well, I thought they were filled. They were, but they leaked. You leak. I leak. We all leak. You need to be filled on a regular basis. Come on, I'm going to even go fill your car up once. Wouldn't that be awesome? Some of you can get more mileage out of your truck or your car than someone else maybe. But the truth is you're going to have to stop at some point, plug it in or fill it up or do something. You, you can't just ride on air. I don't think they've invented that just yet. You need to be filled, but you need to be refilled. And this is a refilling. Verse 31 says, that, And they, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were filled again. Wow. You see, there's a problem between the Spirit and the flesh. Now, if you've not heard anything I've said thus far, please listen to the closing portion of this sermon. 
There's a problem between the spirit and the flesh. John 6 and verse 63 says, The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. Would you say that with me? The spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. In 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things which you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident. So it's going to give a list now. And as it gives a list, if you find yourself doing a number of these things, you've got a flesh problem. Get ready to be convicted. Are you ready? All right. The works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries. Well, praise the Lord. How you doing? Okay, put up the NIV, because I think we put up the NIV of the same text. Go back a verse. One more verse. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfless ambition, dissension, factions. It's like division. And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. <laughs> it's awesome. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not Oh, so what does that mean? That means if you live like that, you ain't going to heaven no matter how much you go to church. Well, let's look at verse 23 and get encouraged. Verse 23, 22, pardon me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control against such things, there is no law. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit. Verse 24. This also stings. Let it hurt. If it hurts, the shoe fits, wear it. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let's close in prayer. Praise God. I'm just kidding, but I, I'm trying to make it sink in. You come. Hallelujah. I'm going to have Minister Micah play a little bit to ease the pain. We all need God's help. We all need God's help, God's power, we all need the Holy Spirit, every single one of us, to overcome our flesh, to overcome the devil, to overcome the world. Every one of us need that. That's what God gave them, and the gospel moved forward. 
Listen, if you're having a hard time with that first list, you know what the answer is? Get filled with the Spirit. And then after you get filled, be sure you continue to get filled because you leak, actually. You know, you just, you need to be refilled. Anybody know what squash is? Squash, it's a racket game. It's like racquetball, but they have a longer, longer racket. I played squash in high school, and uh, we would play against um, one of our t- professors. His name was Mr. Neeland, Professor Neeland. Professor Neeland was six foot five, six four, something like that, six four, six five, and three fifty. 6'4", 350 is a big dude. So you know what a racquetball court is? Okay, that's what a squash court looks like. It's got four walls to it. You know, you walk in a room and you close the door. It's this cute little hobbit-like door that you go through. And to get around Mr. Neeland, I mean, the guy was a great uh, squash player, but he was so stinking big. And so he'd hit the ball, and then he just kind of stepped to the side. I mean, you had to be like Speedy Gonzalez to get around the guy to hit the ball. And there were times when he was just in the way. Now, there's a, a call that if somebody's in the way and you can't get to the ball because they're standing there, it's called a hindrance. And so I would call hindrance on this guy over and over, and he would deny it. But I mean, how do you get around 6'4", 350 in a small closet-like court? truth is I probably called hindrance a couple times when it wasn't true, but I knew I could get away with it anyway. I wasn't saved back then. So I'd cry, hindrance! He'd be like, really? I'm like, you're in the way? You know. Do you know some of you have a big Mr. Neeland standing in the way? Are you tracking with me? Some of you have some things that are in the way. I'm not talking about your anatomy or anybody else's. I'm talking about spiritually. Spiritually. A hindrance you have. My wife's like, honey, your fly's down. (laughs) We always try to hide that as public speakers. We'll turn around and do stuff, but I figured, forget it. It's all right. Some of you are like, what just happened? I don't know. I don't know what happened. Look, listen, in life, you're, God, you're moving for, you'll be okay. Just, just etch your sketch that for a second. Just go like that. <laughs> yeah. So you're moving forward in life. You're moving forward in the plan of God. And all of a sudden, there'll be this big obstacle. Do you know that obstacles are opportunities, what they actually are? And they're, they're allowed by God to create in you a greater faith, to, to give you a springboard to move forward in destiny. But if you don't see the obstacles like that, and you see them as something that God, why did God do this to me? I mean, your perception's all off. And there's things that are, hindrances come from your own foolish mistakes. Hindrances come from the flesh. There comes demonic hindrances. 
And how many of you know God can put roadblocks too? I want God to stop me if I'm on the way to something that's off. Corey Tenboom, I love the quote of so so many wonderful quotes she has. Blessed is the obstacle that comes in the way of a man on the road to destruction. A blessed obstacle. Some of you are having one right now. We need God's help to overcome the hindrances in our life. And if the church at this point here in Acts 4 folded and yielded to the demonic advice or counsel or command, I should say, the religious people that says, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore, then we wouldn't be having church right now. And some of you are facing some things, and I'll tell you, as a church, we're facing obstacles. We aren't? Yeah. What else is new? Oh, nothing to speak of. I mean, there's no, there's no cat, catastrophe. Is that the word? Catastrophic problem. But there is, there is demonic hindrances of moving forward. They will be crushed as we're filled because we've prayed. God's presence comes and helps them to do His will. And God's presence will come and help you to do His will. In fact, let me say this. It takes God it takes God to live for God. Is that crazy? You would think, no, 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 I can do it by myself. Well, no, you can't. It takes God to live for God. It takes God to, to live for Him. It takes God to be a bold witness. To be a bold witness. That's what they asked. Lord, make us witnesses. Luke 24 and 46, and He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise. The very next verse, verse 49. So He says, you're going to be my witness. You're going to tell my story. I'm going to give you power. It's the next thing He says. You're going to tell my story. You're going to be my witnesses. Behold, I'll send the promise of my Father. Verse 49. Luke 40, 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in, in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He gives them power to help or to bless others in signs and wonders. In Luke chapter 10, he sends out, is it the 72? 70, some texts say 72. He sends them out they, and to go do his will. They come back and they have exceeding joy. Luke 10, verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, that could be referring to Isaiah or Ezekiel 14. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. But I believe it's referring specifically to the demonic powers and principalities over that area that when they went out in His name and did signs and wonders, that the power of darkness was diminished. Now I'm going to tell you something. Something's begun, begun to happen here in Wasilla. Whether you realize it or not, I know there's been a, there's a changing in the spiritual atmosphere. You know, we went and had Panda Express over there. We love Panda Express because it was in Hawaii and now that it's here, you know, we went. I, and I met the, the, uh, the area manager over Alaska and, uh, and uh, Hawaii and Guam. And uh, he sat with us at our table and we talked. 
He said something that was interesting to me. He said, uh, tell me, and he was from China originally. He's got one son in Yale. He's got three kids, right? Three, three kids. Uh, one's graduating high school, and the other two are at Ivy League schools. And he supports them $100,000 a year to pay for their education. I mean, it just blessed me. An immigrant. An immigrant. Yeah. Very hardworking man. He said this to me. He said, can you tell me, why are people so kind? I thought, dude, are we talking about the same state? The truth is, I see people being sweeter. He said, he said, in all the grand openings that they've ever had in all of Panda Express history, that Panda Express has blown them all away in volume. It's a sign. I'm just telling you. It's a sign. Something's happening. And he said that the people that come, they just are so kind. Everyone's kind. We're serving over 2,000 meals a day. And he said they're so kind when something's left out of their order, which we try not to do, but they're, they're so kind and so sweet. They've been open for, I don't know, a week and a half or whatever it is. 2,000 people a day plus. And his testimony is that the people are so kind. It seems that everywhere I go, I see God touching people. I see God opening hearts. I, I, I think something's changing. I believe something's changing. There's a scripture that says, to the pure, all things are pure. Do you know that scripture? To the defiled, all things are defiled. If in your view and your estimation of what's happening is all darkness, you've got to get a new set of glasses. Because God really is doing something great. And it's not just because of the prayers of KC. That'd be arrogant and wrong and filled with pride. Something's happening in the body of Christ. I talk to other pastors and other people and other bodies. Something's happening. There's a stirring. There's an awakening. There's a quickening of people to not just have, you know, a, a laissez-faire, you know, whatever kind of religion, but actually to have lives that are transformed by the Word of God, to walk in truth, to walk in the Spirit, to, not, to make no provision for the flesh. There's an awakening that's taking place, and I'm going to tell you, it will continue in the same way that it is continued biblically. It will only continue if there's a mighty prayer movement. There's got to be a mighty prayer movement. And I believe we're in the midst of it. I'm almost done. To see the church be all that God wants it to be. The church is God's idea. God, God said, I will build my church. Ecclesia is the word. It's, it's, uh, ecclesia is a, a word that's used, a Greek word for a legislative body. It's, a crier would come to a town and call the ecclesia. They, the people that would come and, and they would declare or proclaim whatever the law is going to be, and they would say, yes, so be it, and they would make it happen. That's, it's, a, it's a legislative body, ecclesia. Jesus didn't just pick that word just because he thought it was nice. Ecclesia sounds nice. No, he picked it because that's who we are. Ephesians 3, I'm almost done. Go there, please. 
See, church is important. Corporate prayer is important. These guys got threatened, went back to the church and prayed. It's basically what they did. Is it individual prayer? No, it was corporate prayer. Ephesians 3. <clears throat> I need to set this up just a little bit. I'm almost done. Give me uh, two minutes. I'll be finished. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7, it's, he says this. The Apostle Paul to the church of Galatia. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Everybody say, I'm an heir. Okay, say, I'm not a slave. I'm a son or a daughter, as the case may be. It's the same thing. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I live. I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. See, some of you just not really been crucified yet. You not really understood what Jesus has done, really. Because when you really understand that, and you really understand how you just absolutely deserve damnation, and so did I. You really come to the revelation of hell and the devil and your great need for a Savior. It will flat out change you. You see, you can't have a real salvation if you don't have a real understanding of what you've been saved from. Colossians 1 and 27, watch this. Colossians 1, 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Everybody say mystery. Okay, I'll define mystery. Actually, he'll do it in just a second. This mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. What's the mystery? Christ in you. The mystery is that Jesus lives on the inside of you. Deity inside of humanity, that's the mystery. That we are his house. In the Old Testament, the temple that was made glorious, marvelous. God's presence dwelling in the Holy of Holies. And yet on that day, that faithful day, that Friday, Passover, when Jesus hung on a cross for six hours, and when he died and he said it is finished, there was a mighty earthquake. Rocks split. Dead people rose from the grave. And the temple curtain, as recorded even by Josephus, an unbelieving Jewish historian, said that the temple curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, where the, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the Shekinah glory of God was, where the very manifest presence of God, it's God's presence in the earth, was behind that curtain. And when Jesus, the Lamb of God, was crucified on that Friday, an unbelieving historian writes that darkness covered the earth, that there was a mighty earthquake, that rocks split open, and that the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, this is an unbeliever. An unbeliever said this. This is not somebody trying to make up a story about the resurrection of Jesus. This is actually somebody that, was, that, that recorded history. A historian. You can, go, you can go buy the book right now on Amazon. 
the curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. The high priests and all the priests freaked out. Nobody knew what to do. And there was, there was, the Holy of Holies is now open for everybody to see. Why? Because what the earthly temple or tabernacle, you could call it, put together by God's design, was just a, a prototype or a model. It was a model. A model of what? When everybody put together like a little plastic model. You used to like you put together those airplanes, you know? P-51 Mustangs, my favorite airplane. Thing's bad. Everyone see a P-51 Mustang? Yeah. So you make a model and it's to scale. They had a to scale model. God told them the dimensions, told them the size, everything. You go study it. But what it is, is a model of not a P-51 Mustang. It's a model of actually the real holy of holies that's in heaven. And all the sacrifices and the blood that was sprinkled and everything that took place on the Day of Atonement and so on and so forth was just a type, was a model, was a shadow. And then it was finally completed when the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, came, took the sin of the world, took your sin, took my sin, died on a cruel cross, on a Roman cross, on Passover, on Passover, which is very significant. And when that curtain was ripped from the top to bottom, it signified this, that God would never again live inside a temple made by human hands. But He comes to live inside your heart. He comes to live inside my heart. And He he invites us to join His kingdom. And the way that you enter into His kingdom is by repenting of your sin. I mean, you you have to have more faith than, than, than that God did send His Son and die on a cross and rise again from the grave. You have to have more faith that that didn't happen than faith that it did. You see, if it did happen, though, we need to change. Watch this now. Colossians 1 and 27. The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. Say, Christ lives in me. The hope of glory. Him we preach. I'm almost done. I'm taking two more minutes. I'm finished. It's my last closing. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to His working which works in me mightily. So the Apostle Paul was driven by this power that's within him, mightily working within him to tell everybody what I just told you. Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians. It'll be the last verses we look at. I'll close. You know how it is for me in preaching, I'll tell you. It's kind of like the turkey popper. You know? By the way, if you cook a turkey according to the popper, you'll ruin it. I don't know if you know that, but the same thing is in the spirit. It's like I can almost feel that deposit being made, but it's not quite there. Almost there. And so I just linger just a little bit, a little bit longer. I think this will get it. These 
Men of God went, did a miracle. They were persecuted. They went and they had a prayer meeting and the outpouring of the Spirit took place. We were experiencing an outpouring of the Spirit. That's happening because of prayer. It's happening because of a prayer movement. Small as it might be, it's larger than it ever was. And it's going to continue to grow. And I'm inviting you to be a part of that. We've got 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up. Listen, push yourself away from the table as the Lord leads you. Press in. Pray. Come to the corporate times of prayer. And watch and see what God will do. The things that are, you're facing right now will be decimated by His power. They'll be absolutely wiped out. Some of you have children that aren't serving God. Some of you need financial miracles. Some of you need financial, need financial healing. Some of you need physical healing. Some, some of you need wisdom. You just don't know what to do and the thing's right before you. God, what do I do? Listen, if you don't have the God plan, you, listen, don't just guess. Don't just have a good idea. Have a God idea and really know. God's calling me to an extended time of prayer and fasting. We'll start with 21, see what happens. I'm gonna press in. I'm gonna go for it. Why? Because I know that God's power will be released to the next level. Why? Watch this. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, verse 1, for the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. There it is, mystery again. What's the mystery? Christ in you is the mystery. As I have briefly written already, verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, but has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. What was revealed? The mystery. What's the mystery? So he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm laboring, I, I'm, I'm telling you about this. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Talking about Jews and Gentiles. And partake, how many of you know there's Jews and there's Gentiles? That's everybody else. Partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace given me by the effective working of His power. To me, who I am less than the least of all the saints, why He calls Himself that. In fact, well, it, it's very coarse, but He uses it in another, in another letter. calls himself rags. I mean, he, he considered, because he was a Christian killer, this grace was given that I should preach. Please concentrate. It'll set you on fire. I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, what I've been telling you has been hidden until now because Jesus is crucified and risen again from the grave. That he can come and live inside your heart. Not a temple, but you become his temple. To the intent. In other words, for the reason, his purpose. The purpose in doing that, the intent in doing that, 
that now the manifold or multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he's saying that the purpose he did this is to declare to every devil, to every demon, to the powers and principalities, all who live and breathe, that there is a way by which you can have your sin forgiven. There is a way that you can be made a new creation. There is a way that you don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. You can be free. You can be literally the house of God. You can literally be the temple of God. And the church's purpose, the intention is for to gather us together like this so that that is expressed throughout the community, even in the heavenly realms. That's his intention. The church is not some, some little patty cake thing for Jesus where we all get together and hope and cry that, that it's going to end one day soon. We're here to take over. We're here, to, we're here for a mighty revival. But it's not going to happen without prayer. All right, I'm almost done. Almost. In Him we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Oh, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of which the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that He would grant to you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. That you may be filled. Whoa. Whoa, that's a piece of scripture right there. With all the fullness of God. Now him to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think. According to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever. Stand up on your feet and say amen. Amen. I hope you got something from God. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. I messed myself up reading that text. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Lord, speak to us, gather us, even corporately. Lord, thank you for what you did all last year, but Lord, we look with anticipation of the mystery being revealed in the hearts and minds of the people of Wasilla, Houston, Big Lake. Lord, that the, the mystery be revealed, God, throughout our state, through Anchorage, Lord, and Palmer. God, the mystery of Christ in us would be released. Lord, behold their threatenings. Lord, you see, Lord, the threatenings upon families. And God, we're asking that you would grant to us boldness by stretching out your hand. We may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, to perform miracle signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God, we thank you, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, put your hands together for God. Amen. 
Lord, we thank and praise you for what you've done. By the way, if you're not right with God, just a moment longer. We're, we're the sir. Now I am closing. This is it. 60 seconds. You're not right with God. Get right with him right now. Don't wait. Pray this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands and we pray for you and bless you and service will be over. Heavenly Father, fill and touch each and every one of these. Holy Spirit, touch right now. Fill right now. Refill us. Grant to us boldness. Boldness into the new year. Confidence and access before your throne. Your power mightily working within us. We will not be people of the flesh. We'll be people of your spirit. Fill us. Use us, God, this week. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you at our watch night service. Wednesday. Ministry for the whole family. We love you. God bless you. Praise God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.